Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers coming to you with a weekly podcast of what I call the Common Sense MD. Today I have a special guest, good friend for years and patient as a matter of fact, Dr. Chip Backus. He's an emergency room physician for many years, but the reason I really wanted him to come on to my show, we were talking the other night, we were at a, at a meeting together, and he's gotten into addiction medicine, and that's his main gig right now. Uh, so great to have you thank you i've been wanting to get you on this for a while anyway i'm really fascinated by addictions addiction medicine is very on the rise and it's misunderstood and i want to you know you're such a great guy you're a great doctor and i'm really happy to be able to send you patients now that i know you're doing this but and you've got quite a big operation so first of all tell me how you got into er medicine and then addiction medicine Okay, sure. Thank you for having me. This is great. And, and, and likewise, kudos to you as well. And I think, think highly of, of you and all you do in, in functional medicine. It's, it's changing the world, in my opinion. So um, hopefully we'll, we'll hit it from the addiction side now. So as far as emergency medicine, uh, when, when I was 11, uh, I, I realized at that point that I had a passion for people and that I, I came from kind of a rougher family. And I don't know, for some reason, I just thought that, hey, I'm going to be a physician someday. Awesome. And so from, from that age on, as my, my pursuit was that. So um, emergency medicine was two, kind of a two-fold type of a process. So I started out in general surgery, uh, was there t- uh, two years in general surgery, did some research, laparoscopic research, really loved it, but okay. had two kids when I was in surgery and realized that my hours were really long. At that time, there was no restrictions. And so uh, I had to make a decision, and I felt like I needed to, just that my, my cards uh, – dealt to me by God were a little different than most. And, and so I like, I loved surgery, but realized my next passion I'd have to pursue instead for family reasons. And so that was emergency medicine. So I was able to transfer out, found a program, University of Mississippi that I could get into. And, um, they accepted some of my work, I guess, but then pretty much had to start over on the other and, uh, and then got into emergency medicine, loved it, practiced emergency medicine for about 22 years. Wow. Yep. And then while I was there, uh, realized that there was a real need, especially in this area, um, that we were seeing a lot of people, a lot of patients come in that really our staff was complaining a lot about, you know, and you're busy in the ER and you're, you're dealing with a lot of critical issues and you have folks coming in um, seeking out pain medications for various reasons and in various ways. Um, it can either, I think it can either catch you and pull at your heart or it can, it can run you the other direction and make you real critical. And we had a lot of critical folks. And so unfortunately, that's the way of addiction medicine is it's been criticized for a while now um, because of some of its treatment modalities. But it's becoming, it's, it, it's becoming less scrutinized, I feel like, um, as folks like you, you know, kind of publicize this and people are realizing the need and also the legitimacy of it. So anyway, I felt like, hey, this is a great opportunity to help someone who's hurting because obviously if they're in this position and they're doing these kind of things to, to get pain medicine, there's something to this. They're losing their families. They're, they're out on the streets. They're losing jobs. They can't, they can't hold one down. I mean, they, they're, they're a mess. I mean, they're losing their lives. Uh, this is something, there's something to this. And so I had a neighbor at the time who was, who was an internist who said, hey, I think you'd be really good in addiction medicine. And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure you know, if, I, if I would enjoy that or not, but I, I really feel like I'm developing a heart for it. And he invited me to come to his office, and I did, and I was, I was hooked. It was, the people are amazing, uh, their hearts are amazing. The ones who are really involved and really truly want help and, and, you know, for their um, substance use disorder, 
um, really are great folks, and they just they struggle, and they just have some dysfunctions that are, you know, different than ours. But we all have them, right? We all have dysfunctions, you know, of some sort. So anyway, that's how it started. You know, that's a great description of how you started out in this, and I can uh, correlate what you said about general surgery. My dad was a general surgeon, and I loved going in and operating with him. Yeah many years ago, way before I became a doctor, because back then you could do it, but I knew I didn't want to be a general surgeon because of his lifestyle. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was right. every yeah. night, yes. I mean, it, you know, it was a tough one. And That's then my brother became one, but I, but I tended more towards family practice, primary care, so I like that. You're perfect it's, for it's it. Your personality is suited yeah. to me better, yes. but um, I appreciate your history with that, and I can identify with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. There's a lot of people out there that hurt. You know, if you've been practicing medicine as long as we have, people have pain. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it, it kind of got a bad name because um, back in the early days, I remember in my practice, if I had somebody with back pain, I thought, man, I'm not so sure about this. You can't really see anything wrong. But then when I developed a bad back, and I have, I have a lot of back pain. Anybody listening to my podcast know I have a pretty crooked spine and degenerative disc disease, oh, wow. and, you know, it's, it's bad every day, but not to the point where I really need to do much more except therapy and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. but, um, but anyway, there's great people out there that have pain, and they get mislabeled, and they get kind of shunned, mm -hmm. and so have some of the addiction medicine specialists. I mean, you hear about the pill clinics and all this, and it is true that some of them, you know, just come in, write your script, and they're gone. But what I was impressed by with you is the all-encompassing thing that you have with the, the psychosocial model. It's not just here's your Suboxone. Um, you know, I was there in the opiate crisis, of course, listening to representatives from Purdue Pharma would come to my office and, you know, that whole thing with OxyContin. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about that on the shows in the past. But so the, you're different because you look at everything. Where are these people going to go live? They've lost their families. I mean, I've had a couple partners get addicted to opiates since I've been yes. practicing. I mean, good, smart mm -hmm. people who lost everything, not only their practice, but their family. They, one of them ended up doing some jail time for it. So it's really a terrible thing. Um, and that one doctor I'm thinking about, he told me, because I asked him, he'd been in rehab many times, and why do you keep doing this? And he said, you know, the first time when I was in medical school that we were on the pediatric ward, and the attending doctor said, I want you to taste this cough medicine that these kids have to take. And, of course, it had hydrocodone in it. Mm -hmm. So he took a taste of it. He told me as soon as he tasted it, he knew he had to have it. That will always stick with me. Yes. So yes. talk a little bit about, about opiates and, yeah. and um, the Suboxone and how, how you deal with this crisis. Sure, sure. And that's a great lead-in. Man, that's a, that's a really that's, – I don't have to say much more after that because that's exactly, that's exactly how it is. And so, yeah, yeah, that's it. So there actually has been some studies out there showing or asking – thousands of patients who struggle with addiction and those who don't uh, what they felt or experienced when they when they first tried a pain medication of some sort whether it was recreationally or it was by prescription and unfortunately a lot of people in the day did get addicted from prescriptions but there's also folks that get addicted from using it recreationally uh, nowadays of course and and of that study um, from that they found that um, those that were those that struggle with addiction were exactly like your friend they felt completely different than other folks who didn't become addicted. 
they, they had various ways of explaining it as I was flying above the ceiling. I was sinking into the floor. I felt like I could take on the world. I had no problems whatsoever. I had tons of energy. These are some comments that they would have. And that's exactly it. It's a brain disease. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of yeah. what, what I think. Yeah. So it, it wasn't until the 1700s, uh, you know, with uh, Benjamin Rush, Dr. Benjamin Rush, who, who was really studying alcohol more at the time. Um, and addiction has been around for a while, obviously. Um, substance use disorders have been around for a while. Started mostly with alcohol and getting the treatment centers and then it progressed into, you know, other substances and really didn't become formal. You know, the, the Society of Addiction Medicine started and really was accepted by the American Medical Association in 1990. So it's still pretty new, still pretty new, like emergency medicine, it's pretty new. Um, but with that, they determined, 1700s, that, that it was a brain disorder. This wasn't just a psychological, social, moral, or criminal kind of a problem. This, this, was, this was definitely an, uh, a, a genetic or a brain disease of some sort. Some of it, I think, epigenetics. It's developed with environmental uh, reasons, family histories, seeing family and that kind of thing, and it sort of changed their genetic makeup, and then they were able to pass it along. So, yeah, without getting too scientific with it, um, that's, that's really been a struggle, uh, and, and that's the reason is, is, is people are prone to this or not. And, yeah. you know, and Life so, is not fair, is it? No, it's not always fair, is it? Yeah, it isn't. That's it's, what I tell all my patients. They come in, why do I have this? Well, we're going to try to find out, but I'll tell you one thing you better accept. Life is not fair. That's right. And, 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 you know, the thing is, is you can either take it as a victim and say it's not fair and woe is me, or you can, uh, you can tackle it full on like yep. hopefully we want them to do yep. and we yep. push them to do. And that's what we do in addiction medicine. And like you said, it's, a, it's a, a multifaceted approach that we take. It is not just about writing medications, and we write more than Suboxone. Suboxone has been around and used since early 2000s. It came after methadone when they realized, I mean, methadone has been around since the 30s and Hitler, but it was used in addiction. Um, you know, in early 90s as well, just before maybe upper 80s. Uh, and a lot of people ended up even dying from methadone, believe it or not. So mm -hmm. we, get, we realized that Suboxone is a, it's a partial agonist, which means it, it knocks out, it doesn't give you quite the full effect of an opiate. So it's really not quite the same as a pain medication, mm -hmm. full-on pain medicine or a full-on agonist, but it will knock that off of the receptors and there's a ceiling on it. So the great thing about it is those who struggle with addictions, we can feel safe knowing that they take this medicine should they take it only it has a ceiling to protect them from overdose, which is a, obviously a big issue It's today, unbelievable so. how much, with the fentanyl and all this oh, stuff. I mean, it's terrible. unbelievably dangerous yeah. these days. But, you know, when I was talking, when I was thinking about that, you just said Suboxone. And, you know, when I used to see a patient that was on Suboxone, I'd kind of think, well, man, you know, but really I've changed my mind about mm -hmm. it because actually – with a lot of people, it allows them to be a normal, functioning human being. Yes, they couldn't do without it. Then I used to think, well, why are you still on Suboxone? You've been on this stuff for three mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. You're still on it. I thought the purpose was for them to get you off of that. Are they just keeping you on that to churn up the bill to and make, make money? But yeah. really... It's almost a, a maintenance medication it, for a lot of that. And it is. Man, again, another great lead is, is exactly that. So I started out, when I started out, my goal was to get everyone off of everything. And I've been doing this over 15 years now. Um, I've been in addiction medicine for over 15 years. And we've seen a lot of changes. We've seen a lot of regulations come, which were well needed, you know, from some of the issues that you mentioned early on. Um, and people sort of using it just to get people in and out and make money from it, even though the medication in 80% of the population will help them to function and to actually get back to work, care for yeah. their families, to be safe, obviously prevent from overdose or jail and yeah. that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those medications that I sort of have adopted as a, a long-term maintenance because I realized after a few years that people were 
when I'd get them off the medication, they'd go back to the streets. They, they'd go back and overdose on medications. They'd go other places that weren't doing things in a multifaceted or multidisciplinary kind of way where we're providing counseling and we're providing peer recovery type specialists or you know, patient resource advocates, getting them resources, teaching them life skills, how to make goals, that kind of stuff. You know? um, and so I said, you know, I have to think about this a little bit more. I see these folks and they look completely normal when they're taking the medication. They mm -hmm. look completely normal. It is not like what people think. They're not flying high. They're not, you know, in some second world or whatever. This is this is another replacement kind of a drug for, you know, another. No, they're functioning and they're in jobs and it is people like you and I know as well. It's all walks of life. And so All walks. Yeah, all walks. So we use it with other medications as well. It's not just that medication. And we will try to push our patients to, you know, less is best in my mind. Just I think that's how God created us is, is you know, less synthetic things we have in I our agree. body. And I agree. This is your, yeah, exactly, your world. And so we try to push them in, you know, in, at least to lower doses are off. We look to see where they are in their, you know, in their neurotransmitter position at that time. And are they still going to have cravings? Are they still going to be a risk? And if they're a risk and we use scales to determine this, then, then we just kind of get them to the lowest dose that stop that risk. So, you know, I love the, your approach to this because it's really, to me, in, in knowing you and talking to you, it's almost like a mission. You know, it's part of your uh, doing for others, you yeah. know, more than yourself. And really, because, you know, you could just be an ER doc the rest of your life and come in, punch a clock, treat people in and out. But you really have a heart for this. I mean... Yes. You're on a mission to me, yes. and you're doing great things because it's all-encompassing. I've seen what you do, yes. and it's not Thank only you. just here's your prescription. You know, it's you know, let's let's look at your whole life. Let's work the whole family in with this. Yes. You can't do this alone. Yes. We're here to help you with the whole process of all the things with psychologists, with nutritionists, with you know, laboratory medicine. I mean, I see a lot of these patients that you have because they have low hormones because of the medicines they have to take. Oh, exactly. Nutritional deficiencies. And yeah, exactly. I, I, I completely agree. And, 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 and another great point, you know, I feel like we had a great example in, in not to get too crazy religious or spiritual, but in Jesus that was walk, walking this earth to show us what true love and compassion is. And I think that's what we're supposed to do in life, wherever we are, whatever position we're in. And this is this is my calling. This is a this is a ministry for me because I feel like that I don't want to say it's a tool, but it kind of is a tool because it's a foundation Definitely. for me and has worked well in my life with all the issues I've had and gone through. And and so I know that that can be used to help people recover. And it's just part of that recovery and developing that purpose and the fulfillment they need in life, you know, to accomplish the things that most of the world does you know so it just gives them that opportunity and that's what that's what we're here for try and give you the opportunity to have a normal life to go and accomplish what your purpose is and it's I love, I love that word purpose i ask a lot of my patients you know what's your purpose in life because a lot of people i find have so many medical problems and psycho psychological problems as mm -hmm. well they go together and um because psychological issues cause real medical issues mm. they really do yes. trauma mm. is one of them mm. very common we yes. talked about trauma a few weeks ago but mm. um you know so i asked my patients you know what's your purpose in life we're only here for a short period of time anyway but uh, what's your real purpose and i know you do that with your patients as well you found your purpose i found my purpose yes. finally after many years in medicine I found my purpose was really functional medicine, trying to find the root cause of the problem, yeah. not just writing a prescription. That's right. 
and you know help lead them along that path and for those that have addiction problems i'm going to send them to you and then we can kind of treat them together that because it would be amazing it's uh something that uh, is so important right now especially we live in a tough world and we do a world of pain really physical and emotional agree with agree. a lot of trauma so let me ask you how i know how to tell tell us how people can come see you because you're obviously a different breed as far as an addiction medicine doctor. Yeah, and I think that's important to know is that if you're being treated and you feel like you're being cared for appropriately and it's a program that has all these different facets to it, these different disciplines, then by all means, go. this is not an advertisement for just us. This is an advertisement for those getting care. And there's about 80% of people who struggle with substance use disorder that still do not get care. And so there is, a, there is a need. Yeah, that's pretty high. Isn't it amazing? I'm like, wow, we see a lot of folks and there's still that many out there struggling. So that being said, um, we're Emmaus Medical and Community. Um, and so that's the name of, we have an office um, near Greenville, Tennessee in Bulls Gap. We have one in Weber City, Virginia, small, small office there. And we have a small office in Johnson City. Okay. Um, so, yep. And you, you can find us on the web. You know, we're, we're everywhere. So We're going to yeah. print this out so you can uh, see it on the podcast. But Thank you. Dr. Chip Backus, this has been a great conversation. I'm going to get you back because I'm going to talk about another uh, subject that I care a lot about, and that's uh, alcohol use disorder. Okay. And we'll get you back and talk about that a little bit. But this has been so great. It's it's great to know you as a friend um, and as a colleague. So thank you so much, um, and we'll get you back on here. Thank you for the opportunity and, 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 and being able to discuss a passion of mine, really, a need. And I'm hoping that from this people, the community especially, understands the need for it. They understand the legit legitimacy of it and, and how important it is to help those family members or friends that, that really struggle in this area because they don't want to struggle in it. You know, they, I once, I, I, I was reading a, an article from a lady who was struggling with methamphetamines and our, our clinic treats all substance use disorders. So alcohol is one of them, of course, opiates, methamphetamines, benzodiazepines like Xanax and Valium and Venteramine, those kind of things. Um, but she was talking about her, her struggle with methamphetamines, and she has recovered three years now, and it's a very difficult, very difficult substance to beat. One. It is so tough. And she said, I just want, if I could let everyone know one thing, is if you're dealing with someone who's struggling with substance use disorder, please know that they are sorry. They do not want to do this. And it just hit me. I was like, holy cow, that's pretty impressive. She's just like, we don't want to do what we do our brains are drawn to this for, you know, the reasons that they are, you know, and, and so, but we're sorry. And, and so That's I'm like, so that, interesting. She would say yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to read a quote from uh, a, a fellow, uh, Dr. Michael Miller, who was one of the early presidents of the society of addiction medicine. And I, I was, it, it, it impressed me, you know, and, and it's exactly what we've been talking about if I can get it to open up, but I may not be able to. So um, yeah. Okay. So here he goes. It's, uh, at its core, addiction isn't just a social or a moral or a criminal problem. It's a brain problem whose behaviors manifest in all of these areas. So it's exactly it. So it's a brain problem. And it's treatable. Yep. Yeah, it's treatable. That is so, so awesome to hear. It's, it's so refreshing that you're out there doing this kind of mission. I love it. Thank you. Dr. Chip Backus, thank you thank so you. much. I'm going to have you back. Okay, okay, thank you so much. Would love it. It's Dr. Tom Rogers at Performance Medicine. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.